If you could turn with me to the book of John, chapter 4. The chapter 4, verse 6. If you're there, say amen. It says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. And jump down to verse 13. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Look to your neighbor and say, never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus looked at that woman and says, Woman, if thou only knewest the gift of God that was standing before you, amen? We have a gift in 2022, and it's alive and well, and his name is Jesus, amen? His name is Jesus. It's a gift that keeps overflowing, and it keeps giving, and it's the greatest gift you can receive, and that is Jesus himself. Would you lay your Bibles down and let's lift our hands towards heaven and let's pray uh, over the service one more time. God, we're thankful to be in your service. God, I take dominion and authority over any hindering obstacle or spirit that may hinder the work of God here today. Lord, we pray that the Holy Ghost would fall on every individual under the sound of my voice, God. That the glory would enter into this house at this very moment. That God, you would do what you can only do. And God, you would perform only what you can perform. Because you are the great I am. You are the first and last. You are the which was, which is, and which is to come. My Alpha and my Omega, the beginning and the ender, the author and the finisher of my faith. If you believe that here today, would you clap your hands unto the Lord as you're seated. Amen. There was one time that I was I was uh, headed home uh, I was in college, and it was on a Wednesday night, and uh, we just had youth service, and I was visiting home for the summertime, and as I was driving back home, um, I, you know, parked in a normal spot, you know, you, you all got your parking spots at the house, you got to park it a certain way, has to look a certain way, uh, tilted a certain way, everything's just got to be right, you know, We're, we got these particular people in the house here today. I know you're out there, whether you like it, admit it or not. But I, I park in this, you know, the same spot in the driveway, and uh, it's during the nighttime, and um, I, I get out of the car, you know, click the beep, and uh, locks the doors, and all of a sudden, I see something move in the shadow. Now, um, I'll try to depict it the best I can to you here today. Uh, the house that my mom and dad currently live in, uh, towards the back, we have an extension attached to it. It's like a... Uh, a summer room or you know something of that sort and between that and the door and where the stairs are typically we have the trash right next to the stairs and uh, when the the sun goes down it just there's one corner of that building that is just pitch black 
just dark, you know, just, it's just dark. You can't see really anything in it unless the light's on. And even when the light's on, there's still a part or a component of that space that is dark. You can't see anything. So I get out of the car, and I'm, I'm headed towards the stairs, and I see something shift in that shadow. And instantly, with instinct of, you know, just living life, I, I thought, it, 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 is this a raccoon? Is this a possum? And all of a sudden, everything was black, but I seen this white stripe move. So I back up, and I, I, I mean, I, I, I booked it, man. you never seen a big man run this fast. And I just, I just started running, and I, I didn't run, but I, I was walking real fast. And, and as I was walking down, you know, the driveway and towards the front of the house, we usually walk in the back. Um, I, I get in there, and my mom, you know, uh, God bless you, mom, if you're watching this, you know, she's sitting in her robe, she, you know, she was all ready to uh, get to bed, she's on the recliner, and she, she looks at me, and her eyes get real big. She said, what did you do? The moment I took a step in that house, there was an odor that just filled that room. She said, Giovanni Joseph, take everything off now and get into the bathroom. I was like, what did I do wrong? What? And I started smelling myself. And lo and behold, out of nowhere, I got sprayed by a skunk. I mean, Brother Zeke, I was so irritated. I mean, beyond irritated because... That Bible, it, you know, it has a different cover now, but I had it in my left hand. I was ready to, you know, call it a night. We had a good church service. And as it moved, I thought I, I, I was, you know, maybe, you know, um, five yards from it. it. It was a baby skunk that, lo and behold, sprayed my whole left side. I mean, I took all the stuff off. It was in the middle of the night. And I just, I just, you know, she said, leave everything on the front porch and get into the bathroom. And it didn't matter how hot the shower was. It didn't matter how hard I scrubbed. TMI, right? It, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what was happening or what I can do. That was attached to me. I'm still scarred from it. And I, and, 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 and the worst, the worst thing about that whole story, my prize in my possession, that little, oh, that little skunk, it sprayed my Bible. I mean, I went into warfare intercessory mode. I said, God, let the angel of the Lord skin that thing alive and burn it in the front yard. You know, I, I was mad. I was, I was I was mad. I was mad. But, but you know, the, the story doesn't stop there. For weeks, I mean, the smell just, per, it was just flooding the house. Mom couldn't wipe down the walls. She couldn't vacuum enough. We couldn't open the windows. You could take the whole roof off of the house, and it's still going to be that stench that just sticks in the house. And it was something that I was so insecure about it that when I even went to church the next Sunday, I was making sure that I kept smelling my arm and kept smelling my hand. And my Bible that I had, I kept smelling it itself. I mean, uh, the Bible cover, the original one's not on there. I got it redone. But it stunk so bad for about a year, I can still smell that skunk's spray on my Bible. I mean, I... 
oh, wait, I can't do that. <laughs> you go shake someone's hand. You can't get close to them because they think, you know, s- some other activities are going on. That you, couldn't, you couldn't, you know, be around or walk too fast by somebody. It didn't matter how much cologne I put on. That skunk smell was on me for a very long time. It got me to be insecure in my mind and to the point where I secluded myself from everybody and everything. You see, that's exactly how sin works in our lives. Because once it sprays us or once it snares us by our soul or mind or our eyes or our hands or, or whatever it may have been, that temptation that day or that small moment, it was something that just stuck on you and attached itself to you to the point where you could not live life in a free manner anymore and that's exactly how condemnation works you know the bible says that them that are in the spirit have no condemnation you see when you are constantly feeling guilty for something that i want to say on the onset of this message that is not the will of god You see, our God is a just God. He's a loving God. But we must not forget that he is a God of judgment. Because he's a God of judgment, he wants every single one of us here today to be saved and walking on the streets of gold. But while we're on earth, while we're living in this wartime, while there is corruption, there is men waxing worse and worse we're living in an adulterous idolatrous generation while there's temptation left and right and you seem to not be able to hang out with that group because they don't talk right but you can't watch certain things because it's filthy and nasty and you feel snared and you feel guilty but guilt is not from God Guilt is from the enemy because the enemy, he's having a bad day every day because he knows his end and his time is short. God convicts us. Conviction is for a moment. It's a window of grace, a window of opportunity to get it right. And I want to say to somebody here today that you have an opportunity to get it right in the house of God. That you do not have to live with your shoulders humped over, your head hanging down, that you can't live anymore, that you take a hit of this dope, and that you you smoke this weed, and that you drink this liquor because you feel so unworthy and hopelessness let me tell you something if you feel hopelessness that's how the devil lives every day of his life you must understand that he came to save the lost he came to give life and life more abundantly this is the lord we serve and it was jesus he the bible says that he must go and he saw a woman there at the well. He, you, you know, we have to pause here in the message and, and say to ourselves, why in the world they were going one way, his disciples. But Jesus said, go ahead and go to the market. Go get some food. Go get some substance. But I have an initiative. I have a, a motive that I have to fulfill. He said in himself that, that I may not go or I might go, but I am sure that I am going to be there 
My Lord, when he is determined to accomplish something, it will be accomplished. Maybe not on your time, maybe not on my time, uh, that, that there's prophecy written that has yet to be unfilled, uh, but you better believe uh, that this word of God, no matter what the news channel says, uh, no matter what auntie or uncle says, uh, that this word of God, it shall stay and it shall come to pass. He said, I must go. He was driven by compassion. We see in one portion of scripture that Jesus was in the cities. He was in the villages. He was teaching in the synagogues. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom to lost people. He had no time to waste. There was people that were lost and hurting, possessed, afflicted, and vexed. He he had no time to play games. Uh, He was on a motive. Uh, But there was one day in the midst, if I can say revival, in the midst of planning a music practice or a conference or or a gathering or a potluck dinner, in in the midst of this busyness of of serving God and attending church and, and doing what God expects us, which is nothing of that is wrong but he's seen a multitude that was without a shepherd and because of that love springing on the inside of him it drove him to those lost people it drove him to sinners that had no shepherd it drove him to the addict and the prostitute and and to the whoremongers it drove him to people that the world rejected That's why if you feel rejected here today, you're in the right place because my God works with broken and rejected lives. My God works with people that have issues and don't have it all together because it's easy to build something that is broken than something that is established. It was Jesus. He approached people. He taught his disciples about the lost sheep. He said when that man had found that sheep that left the 99 and went wandering in the wilderness, when he had gathered that sheep, he put them on his shoulders and he called all his friends and his neighbors and they rejoiced and and celebrated because that one lost isolated sheep was found Uh, he goes on to say that there's a woman that had a lost coin that sought this uh, diligently and and when she had found it uh, she was excited and joyful and he goes on after each parable and says this is how heaven is when one sinner uh, when one sinner repents May, may I must say here today that repentance is not a bad thing at all that that a place uh, uh, that you find with God a place of mercy and grace it actually is a benefit to you here today because when that chapter closes when everything that the Lord prophesied comes to pass and when that trumpet sounds there's going to be no room to repent there's going to be no presence of God that we're going to feel but I made up in my mind while I have breath in my lungs and while I'm trying my best to live for God every chance I get to get it right with the Lord I'm going to make it right every time I can come to the house of God I'm going to come to the house of God it was cultural taboo it was it was 
a, a gender and it it crossed the the culture standard that a man would approach a woman um, a woman uh, at the well by himself and also being a Jew and her being a Samaritan and it it, it was it, it, it was countercultural can I stop here and tell you that everything Jesus did rubbed against the grain of the religious mindset everything Jesus stood for everything that he healed everything that he saved everything that he forgave it was something that rubbed against what was ingrained in society and was ingrained in culture at that time and we must understand that the Lord to this day does unusual things but you can be sure that there is a witness that it is from God himself you can be sure that you're in the presence of victorious people You can look to your left and your right. They may worship funny and praise funny, but Bubba, you have no clue what God has brought them from. There is a witness in the house here today, and we got to trust the witness. Jesus, knowing what he was doing, he approaches this woman and says, Give me something to drink. I'm weary in my body. I'm weary on this journey. I... I, I, I would like something to drink. And this woman astounded that a Jew himself would approach her and said that the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. They were part Jew and they were mixed with outside uh, uh, ethnic groups of Jews and it was something that they were considered possibly as dogs or um, uh, are isolated from or segregated from because they were not purebred uh, of the Jewish family. And, and she was astounded knowing that it was in the midst of that very day that this man would approach her while she's gathering water in the middle of the day. Normally, according to culture, women would gather water in that very morning, you know, in the cool of the day. It would not be so taxing on the body or on the mind and just the journey from the home to the well. And because of her history, because of her shame that had snared her, because of this guilt she felt, it was something that she was even picked on because of her own sin and her sin issues and these destructive habits that she had, that she had to go in the middle of the day and to get water. Rejected. Guilty. Sometimes we have to go to the lowest in our lives for God to pick us up. You see, there's another woman that that was similar in her situation, a different story, different context, but it was a woman that was caught in the midst of adultery. You know, talk about shame, my friend. Talk about guilty and and just 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 a shame. You know why? Even go another day. Why even live another day? Because I'm caught in the midst of adultery. Not only have I shamed myself, I've shamed my husband. I I've shamed everything around me and. And they bring her to Jesus. The religious bring her to Jesus. And when Jesus sees that woman, uh, he, 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 he looks at them and says, according to the law, you see, her verdict was death. 
Her, her judgment was death because any woman caught according to the Old Testament law that they would pick up stones and stone them to, to death. And, and, and they asked her, they, they, they questioned Jesus and they said, oh, according to the law um, that she should be stoned to death, what do you have to say for that? I grew up in church my whole life. I've heard every preacher come up with a revelation on what that man wrote when he stooped down into that ground and begin to draw something the, the the fact is is none of us know what he wrote but we can understand the importance of that story by asking that woman what happened imagine caught in the midst of your sin in the midst of your shame and you see a man and you're brought before all the multitude and they're all judging you and all of a sudden when he scoops down to grab when she in her mind I can only imagine saying oh he's going to grab the stone because he's the really the only one that can stone me but instead the bible says that he stooped down acting like he never heard them it's not necessarily discovering on what jesus wrote but it's how he reacted to her accusers I feel like preaching now. You must understand, when Jesus ignores your accusers, why should you pay any attention to the devil himself? Why should we pay attention to anything that weighs us down and you're no good, you're not good enough, you've seen what you shouldn't have saw, you did what you shouldn't have done, you said what you shouldn't have said, you know what you need to do is say, devil, get thee behind me because I'm in church another Sunday. I'm in Bible study another Sunday. Where are that accusers? Come on, clap your hands if you believe that here today. I'm going somewhere. Jesus was with this woman. He shouldn't have been there according to standards or expectations. He should have been there. Oh, oh. But Jesus was constantly found sitting with sinners. He was constantly found uh, amongst the Pharisees ministering to those that were sick and those that were broken, those that needed God in their life. Uh, But he looked at the Pharisees. He looked at the religious group and said uh, that they that be whole need no physician, but them that are sick, uh, they need a physician. He said, I will have mercy and I will not have sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners unto repentance. You have to understand here today, it's very easy to get puffed up by your wisdom. It's very easy to get puffed up in your own knowledge, and your own intellect. Sometimes you need to tell yourself that what I've been doing hasn't been working at all. What I have been living for hasn't been working at all. That, that this, what I'm participating in, it's not helping. The drugs are not helping. The alcohol is not helping oh that the college degree is not helping the career is not helping but I must understand if I would just humble myself that God one day is going to exalt me on the mountaintop God one day is going to make me victorious victorious in the kingdom of God but you can never get there if you're constantly not forgiving others or forgiving yourself Enter shame. Shame and defeat. I can't do anything right. I can't dress a certain way. 
I can't act like them. I can't talk like them. I, I just don't feel a part. Oh, but you must understand. You didn't get there overnight. And there's all kinds of baggage and issues in your life. But the important fact is you're here today. And you're hearing the preach word of God. And you're hearing truth coming over this pulpit. That God, there's not a sin big enough that he cannot forgive this morning. There is not a deed or transgression that God cannot overlook. If you would just say, God, here is my life. Here is repentance. And I'm giving it. And it's all yours. God could do anything with that. Came. Jesus even said he rejoiced in his spirit that, that from the wise and the prudent that what was being heard and what was being taught was hidden from them, but it was to the, you know, the ones that were uh, declared from the babe's mouth. It, it, you, you, you see, you know, the, the Bible says that, that the Lord's weakness is stronger than men and the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Why is that? Because we preach to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness because everything of this word of God contradicts how we were raised and how how we were taught but if we would just humble ourselves one point in time day after day week after week to say you know this word of God is the truth and he could do more for me than any other man any other woman in my life you you gotta trust in the truth of God this woman he approaches her and they start to converse and when they begin to talk, she said, well, you have nothing to gather water with. You don't have rope. You don't have bucket. This, wa- this well is pretty deep. Uh, and this is Jacob's well. And, and he goes on to say that, that uh, if you're really true, uh, uh, you're greater than Jacob. You're greater than this. Then you should have no problem. And Jesus said, whosoever drinketh of this natural water, of, of this, this spring that's in the ground, um, whoever drink of this shall thirst again. Uh, but them that partake of the water that I can offer will never thirst again. You know, she knew, according to history, uh, where that special patriarch's place was. It was Jacob's well. It was something uh, in Genesis, Genesis 33 that he had purchased that land. And, and, but she fails to understand the altar that Jacob built. She fails to understand the altar. You see, Jacob was a man that was a deceiver. He was a supplanter. He was someone that never did it right. N- never did it right from the very beginning. The moment he came out of the womb, he was trying to steal the blessing of God. And he went about things the wrong way. And he, 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 he really did. You know, there was one day that he was a dweller of the tents. And his older brother that was promised the birthright. He was promised according uh, to God's ordinances and God's plan to receive the birthright and to receive the blessing of God and, and, and from day one he was devising plans inside that tent to, to take that that birthright and it was one day because Esau was, was a slave to his senses Esau was great on paper he was, he was tall, he was broad he, he was a cunning hunter he, he was a strong man and it was, it was something that, that Esau he had everything, every box checked off uh, according to the standard of society but there was one character flaw that was so detrimental that he could not uh, 
give away to his senses. He, he was just a slave to his own senses. And one day after a hard day's work, it was, it was Jacob that was cooking some pottage and offered it to Esau and stole the, and stole the birthright. Not to get in the story of Jacob and Esau, but it goes on to say that he, not only did he steal the birthright, him and his mother gathered together, made a plan, and deceived their own father Isaac and stole the blessing. But, but Jacob lived this life of just constant. I mean, he had the birthright. He had the blessing. He had some things right in his life, but there still was issues. He goes and, and gets deceived by another man, 14 years to work for a wife, and, and, and has two arguing women and, that can never agree, and, and he's just got more chaos than he, 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 he begged for. And it, it was just this life that he lived, and, and now he's in his older age, and back to his well. He's in his older age having anxiety because his brother from the beginning, when he found out the blessing was stolen, he, he desired to kill him, and he ran away from home. And, and when the day he meets his brother, he bows himself seven times and they rejoice together and there was forgiveness and that's great. And they threw a party and, and, and that land that they were in, uh, Jacob had purchased that land and he built and erected an altar called El Eloi Israel, which means that not only am I uh, Jacob, uh, but this altar is going to signify that he is the God of Israel. It was the posterity, the future generations, the future tense uh, of how his people that were going to know him. You see, he may have done things wrong, but there is a law of hunger that God cannot deny. There is a hunger and a thirst that God cannot deny. You see, you may go about things wrong and do things wrong, but if you're truly hunger here today, if you're truly thirsty for the things of God, God shall fill you this very morning. He's blessed are they that which do thirst and hunger after righteousness. They shall be filled. There, there, was, there was a well there, but, but there was an altar built a very long time ago that said that if God can do it for me, he can do it for this woman that is caught in the cycle of sin. That, that I've come to make a plain here today that one choice you make can either produce generational curses or it can produce generational blessings. And I don't know about you, but I'm determined for every step I make, every prayer that I pray every time that I worship I know it's producing blessings in my generations and she approaches Jesus and Jesus says listen listen that water that water every time you go around that well Every time that you go there, I'm sure there, because of the stone, how many times she went there that time uh, to lower the rope, there was probably marks and engravings in that stone from the ropes being dropped time after time. She had to go in inconvenient times of the day, but Jesus was trying to relate to her. Jesus was trying to preach to her, hey, listen, you can go to this well and get water. That's going to satisfy you for a moment, but if you would just hear what I have to say uh, there is a well of springing water that I can offer you that you can live day after day on you no longer have to participate in those activities of sin you no longer have to live a life of sin anymore but there is a water uh, 
that I can give that can satisfy the very void in your soul. This is the water that can satisfy every void in your soul. I wonder if we can lift our hands right now and begin to call on the name of the Lord. Come on, I want you to repent right now. Lord, forgive me for not forgiving myself. Lord, forgive me, God, for living under guilt and condemnation, Lord. You are not a God of guilt, God, but you are a God of everlasting life. You are a God of mercy and grace. I want you to call on the name of the Lord right now. Some of you are dealing with inner shame right now, and you can't receive a gift from God. You can't receive a blessing from God because you're living under guilt and condemnation. But God is wanting to heal every bitter root. God is wanting to heal every inner shame. God is wanting to heal everything that's holding back the blessing of God. There was a day Jesus went before them. He went before the men, and it was a feast. It was a festival. It was a festival of the tabernacles, it, which represented the Lord's provision of rain during time of harvest. It was when the priests and the men of God would go back and forth, sing songs and, and grab water from the pool and they would pour it in around the altar. And it, it was a time of, of celebration and Jesus stood before those men. And he said, if any man thirst, if any man thirst, let him partake of me. Let him drink of me. And you got to understand here today that this world may offer temporary satisfaction. It may offer a, a moment of satisfaction. Come on, Esau. It may offer a temporary meal. It's something for a moment. But you have to understand if you would just turn yourself and make a, a declaration of repentance and say, God, instead of giving the world one more moment, instead of giving life one more day God I'm going to give you one more moment God I'm going to give you one more day because I'm thirsty and I'm hungry is anybody hungry here today is anybody thirsty for the things of God? I've come to tell you, I've come to let you know God was speaking of the Holy Ghost then to that woman. He was speaking of the spirit that was on the inside of him and said one day when I am glorified, that one day when I go to ascend to heaven, there shall be a gift. There shall be a gift given to whosoever will, whosoever is hungry enough, whosoever is thirsty. Are you hungry enough here today? Are you thirsty enough here today? Are you desperate enough here today? Sometimes you got to get in the mode of desperation. Sometimes you got to be brought to the lowest point of your life, to the lowest point of shame and depression. And you've got to make a switch. You've got to make a choice. I can either live in the state that I'm in or I can accept the living water.
water that God has for me. I can either live in this addiction again or I can go to the altar and get right for God and for God to change my life. It just takes one prayer meeting. It just takes one altar call. It just takes one moment with Jesus. One moment with Jesus. Oh, one moment with Jesus. Can you give God one moment? Can you give God one chance? I can't convince you enough. I, I can't, I can't, I can't beg someone enough. You just gotta give God one chance. Sometimes you gotta be like that woman with the issue of blood. There was all kinds of people around Jesus. There was all kinds of people around the altar. All kinds of people shouting why she was afflicted, why she was vexed, why she had all these issues, but she caught over everything that she tried. She got over everything that she worked for and she said you know what I've got to trust in God because there's nothing else to trust sometimes you got to think if this hasn't worked that hasn't worked what else will work I'll tell you what will work it's his name is Jesus I'll tell you what will work it's the Holy Ghost and the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God Paul said he said your faith should not only stand in the wisdom and the words of men, but in the power of God and the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. We may look crazy. We may act funny. We may dress differently, but you have to understand once you partake of this living water today, once you partake this gift from God, you won't be same anymore. You won't be, you'll be changed in a twinkling of an eye. Your, your attitude will change. Your your mind will change. Your perspective will change. Your habits will change. You just got to partake of the living water. Everybody say living water. Living water. Jesus was even approaching the men. And he had looked at his disciples one day after he resurrected. He said, all power is given to me, which is in heaven and is in the earth. And Mark, he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe, and they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And he says it goes further in John. He says, but there shall be another comforter that may abide with you forever. It's even the spirit of truth, and it shall be in you. It's one thing to have something on the outside. It's one thing to do your devotion in the morning and feel the presence of God. And when you go to work and you hang out with a certain group and you find yourself falling short and find yourself falling uh, just secondhand, uh, it, 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 it's easy and that's good and all. But but there's got to be an infilling on the inside of us. It's one thing to have God on the outside, but it's a whole nother thing to have God living on the inside. Because when something lives on the inside, you can walk. Uh, through anything, uh, walk through any storm and any temptation when you have God living on the inside. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. If music could come, it's the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, he looked at him 
He said, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. And it shall begin at Jerusalem. He said, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are dude with power on high. You see, Jesus approached this woman at the well, and in the midst of her shame, he points out the sin. He points out the five husbands, and the one that she's with is not even his. And, and, and out of nowhere, she, he, he, she thought that he was coming there just to condemn her. It was never the case. Oh, God. It was never, it was never the intent of God. Oh, for you to feel so convicted that you feel condemned. I'm just hearing the Holy Ghost right now. It's, it was never the will of God for you to feel so bad for yourself that you can never receive a gift from God ever. And some of the people under the sound of my voice is battling with that right now. You feel so guilty that it is it has driven you away from the presence of God. It has taken you away from the promises of God. It's taken you away from the blessings of God. But God has come to tell somebody here today. It was never my intent. But his intent was for you to live in victory and to live with power and to live in an overflow. Of his spirit. Overflow in his spirit. I'll never forget Pastor Smells. I first started preaching. I got invited to preach at a campus in Ohio State, Newark. It's a it's a satellite campus of the Ohio State University. And uh, some of you got that. And I was just new. I was passionate. I was sweating like I am right now. And I didn't know what to do. All I knew is there's broken people on that campus that needed God. All I knew, there was a woman at a well. All I knew is people were vexed and bound by these own cycles of sin they had in their life. I preached. It was bad. People walked away. You know, you know, it was so bad, they couldn't wait for the brownies afterwards. They couldn't wait for the free food. And something got a hold of me. We gathered around in a circle. Very intimidating. I said, let's pray. I preached about the Holy Ghost. I preached about what Brother Matt preached about. The infilling with evidence of speaking in tongues. I preached about that. Nothing happened. Nobody shed a tear. Nothing moved. And there was a hunger that came over me that day. I said, God, there's people that need this water. There's people that need this gift. They may not understand, but God is the greatest thing any man can receive. And I tell you, it was like hot oil that came all over me. 
And I turn around and I said, let's pray again. And when we begin to pray on that college campus, the dorm was connected to that, that auditorium that we were in. And, and we just had chairs and tables and we begin to pray. And when we begin to pray, the presence of God flooded that place. And one after another, there was three people that received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. A lady fell to her knees because the power of God was so great. Another person received the Holy Ghost. And even a girl that wasn't even that service, she walked in the back. I watched her later during the sermon. She walked and sat back there. And she was late because she had other activities to attend. She came in that service. And all of a sudden, she began to feel something she never felt before. Oh, she began to, she, she heard about it. She, she thought about it. But it was a presence that began to surround her and a camp around her. And when she lifted her hands, the Holy Ghost fell on her. And she began to speak with other tongues. I come to tell you what happened in the day of Pentecost happens today. What happened in the book of Acts can still happen today. There's no chain. There's no addiction. There's no sin that's keeping you from the gift of God. But you must understand that this gift is for you and I we all can all stand there's this man there's this man at one of our daughter works he uh, he would come regularly he was right down the road <clears throat> and he was a drunkard every time you would approach him you would smell a thick scent of alcohol in his breath. And he would just sit there every service and clap and smile. Oh, oh. and you could see the guilt that was all over him. I'm not good enough to receive what they're praising God for. Everyone else is worshiping. Everyone else is jumping and happy and joyful and praising God but it's something that I don't feel worthy enough to receive. You can see it was all over him with tears in his eyes after every service. And I believe it was one day, one service, Brother Josh, that, that, that the, the power is out and, 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 and we were preaching and, and, and had no, I believe it was the day that the power went out, had no microphone, and we began to preach and, and it got hot and sticky in that little daughter work church. It, it, it just got uncomfortable. But, but because there was no power, there was a different power in the atmosphere. And, and the presence of God began to sweep that place. You know, the Bible says it's like a rushing mighty wind. Uh, the reason why you feel those goosebumps, the reason why you feel that drawing or that, that change in your heart, because there's a wind blowing by. It's a wind blowing by. And it's saying here, I'm here for you. Uh, just, just one moment if you lift your hands, uh, I'll infill you. I'll change your life. It's a gift from God. He began to lift his hands. We began to pray with him. Would you believe it? God filled that alcohol drunken man with the gift of the Holy Ghost. What is this preacher trying to tell you? That there is no sin. There is no lifestyle. There, there is no chain that is too great for the gift of God to enter your life. There, there is nothing that is hindering or pushing.
pushing us back from the salvation of God because this is for the hungry. This is for the thirsty. I got a question for you. Are you thirsty here today? Are you hungry for God's spirit? It's easy for us to live this life, live in the the monotonous lifestyle, the mundane activities, to go through the protocol, to come in and leave the same, to come down to the altar and pray and nothing happen. But I come to tell you today that that can change this very morning. That could change for you and I here today. I don't care if you've been in church for 50 or 15 minutes. I don't care if you've been in church for 10 or to 15 years. If you have the Holy Ghost and you haven't spoken in a long time in other, in other tongues, you can be refilled with the refreshing of the Holy Ghost today. If, if you've never received this gift from God, you can receive it here today because I have a bunch of witnesses here today that say this is the greatest gift that God has ever given us. This is the greatest thing that God has ever allowed me to have. We lift our hands towards heaven. The gift of God is here. There's no shame too great. There's no sin too great. There's no, no destructive habit too great for God not to change. He's a God Oh, that changes our identity. He's a God that changes our life. He's a God that is alive and well.